This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. You go to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, which is in the Bible I'm using and that we pass out as page 601. Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 38. Repent, Peter said to them. And be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. Verse 42, which is an important verse to our body because we call our small groups 242 groups based off this particular scripture, Acts 242. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the Bible today. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. I want you to notice in verse 242 there, we talk about eating together a lot and community and fellowship. We talk about the Bible, but they were also devoted to prayer. God's people were devoted to prayer and he's called us to be devoted to prayer also. Let's pray together. Jesus, you modeled prayer for us and you came in flesh incarnated and chose to model a lifestyle of prayer. And so help us to follow that. We've read in the scripture this morning that in the book of Acts, your people were people of prayer. God, help us to be people of prayer. And Lord, we just ask that today you would evoke a desire in us to pray because God, guilt will will not make us pray effectively are very long. So Lord, we need the desire to pray. And that's what we're asking for today, that you would just stir in us the desire to be people of prayer and to be a person of prayer. So we ask all of this in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone agrees, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, you may be seated. I think the church today needs to thank God for grandmas. Yeah, you agree, don't you? Because you probably grew up in a church where somewhere in that church, somewhere down the hall or somewhere, there was a group of praying grandmothers and thank God for them. And, and we have that here at this church. Historically, prayer has often been something that females with no kids uh, are the predominant demographic in prayer meetings. And part of this is really practical. I mean, the young moms, they're too busy chasing kids to go to prayer meeting anyway. So you guys, you you ladies with kids, you get kind of a pass. And I believe this is that Satan doesn't want men to pray. So unfortunately, prayer has become this kind of female, female dominated practice or corporate prayer. And so I want to honor those grandmothers. I want to thank God for them. And I could tell you did too. I mean, the way you responded, you just, half of you said, amen. And that never happens here. So you, you understand 
that it must be something with the preacher. <laughs> but you understand the value of a grandmother or an older lady in the Lord praying for you. But for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about prayer. And the title of the series is Prayer is for Everyone. Prayer is for Everyone. Because I want us to push back against the incorrect notion that prayer is only for the elite. Prayer is only for the special. Prayer is only for uh, those with the, quote, gift of intercession. Nonsense. Listen, hey, prayer is for everyone. Everyone who believes in the Lord. And prayer is for us all. Now, if I was talking about exercise today, we, we would think that having the winner of the Boston Marathon here, that would be a qualified person to talk about exercise. But he or she, and I guess there is a winner in both categories, would, would maybe perhaps suggest every single one of you should be able, every human being should be able to run four to five miles. Now, I know some marathon runners that are in here. I, don't know, I didn't see Lauren Reed, but this, this girl... She, she runs all types of marathons. Beth Bazelli was in the first service. All the disciplined people that I know that run marathons came at 9 a.m. So I don't know if uh, some of you are in here, but um, they would laugh. They'd be like, oh man, four or five miles. I do that all the time. You know, I, I do that without even thinking. And, and, and yeah, Sid, Sid Shaw, everyone's pointing to you, Sid Shaw. It wouldn't be a, and Tommy's here. Okay, all right. Yeah, these guys, I'm gonna get sidetracked now. But yeah, these, these guys can run. I see them run all the time. Uh, these guys would laugh. Oh yeah, four miles, no, no big deal. That's one of the things that, one of the problems we have to be careful with is uh, in prayer is pride. Those of us who are involved in prayer, like we, 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 we can wrongly believe we're better than other Christians. So we have to be careful in that. And so th- there's others of us who, who would think, wow, I could never, ever run four to five miles or walk four to five miles, so just forget it. I'm not gonna exercise at all. And that would be an incorrect response also. So I'm teaching you about prayer today, and I want you to know that I am not the winner of the Boston Marathon of Prayer. So I'm not this big prayer expert guy. I'm kind of the guy who walks around the neighborhood four or five times a week, and and that's where I am in prayer. And in the past, I thought, well, maybe I'm not qualified to talk on prayer because compared to these great prayer giants that I read about historically or, or even know about in my life, you know, they, they, are, they are these huge prayer people and they're the only ones qualified. But see, that kind of thinking uh, has prevented me maybe from talking about prayer as I should. And this title of the series pushes back against that thinking too. Prayer is for everybody. I mean, every single one of us are called to pray. So here's the deal. Whatever level of prayer that you're at right now, you can take one step this year. That's all I'm calling you to do. I'm not calling you to pray like the grandmas pray. I'm not calling you to be among the elite prayer people. I'm calling you to just evaluate your life and wherever you are in prayer, take one step. Take one step. Why? Because God wants you to pray and Satan doesn't want you to pray. It's that simple. And he's called all of us to pray. 
as I was thinking about, okay, what should I teach on this first sermon series of the year? I mean, there's, this is kind of an important sermon series because people are coming back to church. So you want to maybe, you know, hook them or attract them and, and the preaching to be so good. They never leave again kind of thing. So this is real important. You know, what movie title is going on right now? Should I preach about the Hobbit somehow and connect that with the Lord? I don't know. Uh, you know, what can I do? And, and, and so there's a lot of pressure, you know, like this needs to be a good series. So I started thinking about, okay, what are some of the things we could talk about that could help people? Well, you know, it'd be real helpful to talk about finances because Christmas just ended and, you know, we're, we're evaluating now. Okay, we got to be more careful with spending. And that would maybe help the church too because we got a budget and so we could kind of encourage people to budget and to give and all that. That seems helpful, right? And I started thinking about that and thinking about my personal life. And do you know that there's a lot of practical steps I've taken in my life to help me financially, but do you know where it started? It started when I began to pray about my finances. I began to pray about the cash flow in my life. I began to pray about my giving. And prayer has helped my giving and my budgeting and my financial status more than anything. You know, talking about relationships would be really helpful because marriage is under attack and single people need to really think about marriage because uh, they, don't, they need to pick good when they're married and teenagers need to start thinking about that because uh, who knows, 10 years, 12 years from now, they'll be getting married. So talking about marriage would be good. And by God's grace, my marriage is, a, is at a really strong place right now. So this would be a great time for me to talk about marriage, right? But do you know where my marriage started to improve? When I started praying about my role as a husband, it started with prayer. Talking about losing weight would probably appeal to a lot of people. And last year I dropped a few pounds, a very modest amount. I may have picked it back up over the holidays, but uh, it, was, it was probably a pretty good year for me health-wise. And, I, and with, by God's grace, I hope to do even better this year. Do you know where that started? It started in prayer. When I began to pray about my health and include God in that, he began to show me things and give me the desire to do the things I need to do. So any sermon series I would have picked, I would have encouraged you to pray. So I'm gonna encourage you to pray and you apply it any way you need to apply it, right? Because whatever you need in your life starts with prayer. It may not be the only factor because there's many factors, but without it, you won't have the fruit God wants you to have. So we need wisdom and we need good decisions and we need all the different uh, practical principles that we need, but we have to have prayer because without prayer, we won't bear the fruit God wants us to have. So I'm inviting you to prayer. I'm laying a foundation today. And when we talk about pray, prayer, we can't get it all into one message, you know? So we're just gonna spend a few messages. And this is what I believe God wants to do today. It's a call to prayer today. God wants to evoke a desire to pray within us. He wants us to push back against, some of us have a mental block, even a psychological block in our mind that says, I'm not a prayer guy. I'm not a prayer lady. That's for certain people. That's for the special ones. And in our mind, we've thought, I'm not a prayer person. No, yeah, you are. If, if you love Jesus, if you know Jesus, you're a prayer person and prayer is important. If you've ever been to the Arlington National Cemetery, it's a very haunting and beautiful place at the same time. Sacred space in our country. 
One of the centerpieces of the Arlington National Cemetery is something called the Eternal Flame. It's where the remains of John F. Kennedy are laid. That event happened over 50 years ago, had such an impact on our nation that something continuous had to happen. Uh, something had to identify uh, his remains as something that had impacted us so much. There's a flame that never goes out. So as a nation, we would remind, be reminded and it would memorialize how that has impacted us. You know, there's not much in life that goes on continuously over and over and over again. You know, Waffle House does that, but that's not the best sermon illustration, is it? Huh? Especially since I talked about losing weight, it's always open. But not much in life continues all the time. Here's, I want you to be encouraged with this thought today. Prayer is continuous. Prayer is continuous. This is going to encourage you today because we think that we start prayer and we stop prayer. Like we're, we're, we had prayer before the nine o'clock service. And so the people showed up, they, they prayed and they started at about 8.40 and ended at 8.55. Well, that was the time frame, but prayer didn't start and then stop. And here's the reason why. Go to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. In verse 34, uh, I want to show you that prayer is always happening. Excuse me, verse 26, I'll start there. Romans chapter eight, verse 26. In the same way, the spirit also joins to help us in our weakness because we don't know what to pray for as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. This is incredible. Do you understand that the Holy Spirit is praying with you? The Holy Spirit is praying according to God's will. This is a beautiful thing. Now, some of you have the gift of a prayer language. And so this is actualized in your life. You speak in a prayer language, speak in another tongue. Others of you have not received that gift or God hasn't given that to you. But still, this scripture applies to you knowing this, that the Holy Spirit is praying for you in accordance to God's will, the perfect will of God. Now look at verse 34, just a little further down. And in this theological teaching, the question comes at the beginning of 34, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. Amen to that. Isn't Jesus is alive, right? But he is also at the right hand of God. And look at this, intercedes for us. Jesus is praying for you. The beauty of the Trinity, uh, we could think about the Trinity our whole lives and our mind can't quite get around it. By faith, we understand the Trinity. But God is one and yet he has three persons in the Son, the Father, the Spirit, working in concert with each other. It's such a beautiful thought. So it is Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for you. Jesus is praying for this service. Jesus is praying that his will will be done in this service, in the worship, in the love and community we have. Jesus is here. And so it is that prayer is always happening. You don't start prayer and end prayer. You join the prayer that's already happening. Is that not a beautiful thought? I would love to be part of one of these stories where, you know, I was sick in the middle of the night and someone on the other side of the world during the daytime thought about me and prayed for me and then the timelines corresponded. Have you heard about those stories? I mean, some of you have been part of those. And if that's happened to you, 
man, you're lucky because that's a cool thought. Uh, you're not lucky, you're blessed. But uh, th- this idea of like somebody was praying for me randomly somewhere else, that's a nice thought. That's encouraging. Some of you have been part of stories like that. Those stories happen. But none of you have been left behind because Jesus is always praying for you. I mean, Jesus is praying for you. He's at the right hand of God, advocating for you, praying for you. You're being interceded for, and let that encourage you. You never pray alone. You always pray with the Holy Spirit. You pray with Jesus, and prayer is always, always happening. The book of Revelation is a very difficult book to understand in some ways because it's full of metaphor. I mean, John was on the, he was on the island of Patmos and all this stuff came to him and he wrote it down and he gave it to us. And when, we're, when we read Revelation, we're blessed. But those who have been trying to explain Revelation while reading the USA Today and New York Times, I mean, that's just truly nonsense, honestly. If you like conspiracy theories, you know, that, that you can go for that. And, and I don't think there's anything sinful or wrong. It's just they've been wrong over and over and over and over again. If you just watch the last few decades, these prognosticators just have been wrong. So the important part of Revelation is not a timeline connected to the 21st century as much as it is a revelation of who God is and what God is going to do. Jesus uh, told us to be ready for his coming and to be prepared as a pure bride ready for his arrival. Okay, And so that's what God has called us to do. God wants you to be concerned about your devotional life, your holiness, your witnessing, and, uh, and be ready that way. And, and, and everything else is a hobby. It truly is. It's just a hobby. I mean, he told us to be ready, so just be ready. I don't have to connect something in, in the news to a random scripture in Ezekiel to be ready. I'm just ready. I'm ready for God to come. I'm ready for him to do that. So this is what we do learn from Revelation is we learn the nature of God. We learn his characteristics. We learn his holiness. We we learn who he is. So John, uh, he he had a vision of the throne of God, which is really powerful. And it it started in Romans 4. We'll start there. Romans 4, 2. uh, Excuse me, Revelation 4, 2. It's two R's. I was close enough, right? R and R, right? Okay. Um, I've, mispronounced, I've misspoken so many of your names. You understand I have an issue with this, but at least I'm trying, right? I'm trying to learn names. Okay, that was supposed to be funny. Come on, courtesy laugh, someone. Thank you. Re- Revelation 4.2. Immediately, this is John. I was in the spirit and a throne was set there in heaven and one was seated on the throne. The rest of chapter four gives this language that's beautiful and poetic and just, it's incredible. And Maybe you're smarter than me and can figure out what it all means, but I just think it's beautiful and I thank God for it. it spills over into chapter five and remember that God didn't put the chapters and verses, men did. So this all came along hundreds of years later. So it's just really one continuum. This is just helping us get to the right page. And so chapter five continues to show all this, to, to tell these different things. And then we get to verse six. This is, this is gorgeous language. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb, that's Jesus, standing between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. What exactly does that mean? I'm not sure, but it's, it's just, I, I praise God for him. But here's what I do know. He came and he took the, the scroll out 
of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. And each one had a harp. Now, here's the part that I want you to focus in on. And gold bowls, I want you to imagine gold bowls filled with incense. So this aroma is coming out of these gold gold bowls. So this is a word picture here, a metaphor of a gold bowl with this very appealing smell coming out of it, something that pleases God. What is that? Which are the prayers of the saints? Listen, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And then the prayers of the saints are coming up to the throne of God and it's pleasing the Lord. God is pleased with our prayers. And it pleases God. Our prayers go to the throne of God. And they're right there with God in his throne. And I like to think that that. That incense is not just the prayers that have happened today, but it's the prayers that happened in the second century when the church was meeting in the catacombs of Rome and under persecution. And it's the prayers of those who were illiterate in the Middle Ages, in the Dark Ages, and they were meeting in those cathedrals and they didn't have access to the Bible, but they had a faith in God and they prayed the prayers and learned the songs. And it's just a beautiful aroma to God. And in the 20th century and now in the 21st century, we pray all kinds of ways. There's no right way to pray. Some people chant, some people repeat, some people pray spontaneously, some people sing their prayers. We can shout our prayers, whisper our prayers, write out our prayers, think through our prayers. It doesn't matter how we pray, we just need to pray because it's all good to God. It all just smells great to him. It goes straight to the throne of God. And I just believe that, that our prayers are constantly going to the throne of God. It's continuous. So brothers and sisters, listen, you have a prayer partner named Jesus and you have the community of the saints and you have the Holy Spirit praying the will of God through you. And I just encourage you to know you're not alone in prayer. Prayer is always, always happening. In the 1950s, uh, the nation was just so fearful of the dread, dreaded disease of polio. And a Jewish man named Jonas, Jonas, um, thank you, Jonas Salk, uh, discovered, uh, discovered the vaccination for that. And it prevented this from happening. Here's the second thing I want to say about prayer. That prayer is our antidote. Listen, some of us have been walking in defeat and walking in failure and we're trying everything we can to solve the problem, but we've forgotten to pray. And it starts with prayer. I understand that with relational issues and addictions, there are other things to consider and other factors, but those things will not bear the fruit God wants them to have if you don't start with prayer. So it's prayer and everything else. Unfortunately, we try everything else and never pray about it. You start with prayer. And I want to encourage you guys to understand that the power of prayer in your life is the first step to every issue in your life. There's a book that's very, very much impacted my life called The Kneeling Christian. The Kneeling Christian. You might want to write it down. It's probably 100 years old. The author is unknown. The author 
chose to remain anonymous. He was most likely from England because he refers uh, to John Hyde, who's also known as Praying Hyde. He also refers to George Mueller and other great spiritual giants of England in the 18th century. And this book has impacted my life. And I just want to read a couple of quotes from it because it's so powerful. Listen to this. The secret of all failure is our failure in secret prayer. Think about that. The secret of all failure is our failure in secret prayer. He also said this, whoever this author was. I'm assuming it's a he, maybe it was a she. Maybe that's why she remained anonymous, I don't know. But unless we pray aright, we cannot live aright or serve aright. Think about that. Unless we pray aright, we cannot live aright or serve aright. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus told us to his disciples right before he went to the cross, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Guys, what keeps us from sin? Many things, but prayer primarily. Prayer keeps us from sin. Having the presence of God in your life keeps us from the sin that wants to invade our life. So wherever the place of sin is for you, make it a place of prayer. Replace your sin with prayer and see what God does. See what God does in that place. He'll do amazing things. This piece of machinery back here is a powerful piece of machine. Powerful machine, isn't it? It's uh, the keyboard, right? Do you know this, this keyboard has thousands of sounds, literally thousands of sounds. And I thought I would just sing for you a little bit today. Is that okay? Yeah. Has thousands of sounds. Now, th- this really um, worked culturally to our disadvantage in the early 80s. Remember all that music with synthesizers and all that? You know, John Tesh was great on the sax, and then he discovered the synthesizer, and it was just all you know, downhill from there. I had a Yanni CD. Is that that guy's name, Yanni? I thought, man, this is awesome. He was just playing with keyboards, you know? It was no big deal. I could have done that too. But this is an amazing machine. One time, this particular machine wrecked our whole worship service because Beth was playing and everybody was in the key of G and this went to the key of C as she's playing and we literally just had to stop service and start over again. Um, And... That's how powerful this machine is. We had to send it in, it got fixed, and now it's working good. So God bless this machine. All right, so it's full of thousands of sounds. and can do amazing things, but here's the deal. Without this right here, without power, it's useless. Without power, it doesn't matter how much potential it has. If it's not plugged into power, it's useless for its function. So here's the last thing. Listen, prayer is power. Prayer is power. Matthew 21, 21 says this. Jesus, I assure you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you tell this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. And if you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That's an amazing promise, isn't it? We'll we'll talk more about the nuances of that promise in future messages. 
1 John 3, 21 and 22 says, Dear friends, if our conscience does not condemn us. So in other words, if we're living right, okay, that's part of this, all right? If our conscience doesn't condemn us, like we're, we're living by God's word and by the Holy Spirit. We have confidence before God and can receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. Can you see why Satan doesn't want us to pray? And can you see why God does want us to pray? Listen, I'm among a generation, the generation Xers, and then the millennials behind me. We have great self-esteem because we we were brought up to think the world revolves around us and we have potential and we can change the world. Which, which that phrase is really funny because this generation, they, they really don't want to change the world. They want to be the person that changes the world. You see the difference there? I don't want to just change the world. I want to be the person who changes the world. And so it is. So it is that we, we are full of potential and information, but without prayer, we won't have the fruit that God wants us to have. It doesn't matter how much potential you have. It doesn't matter how much advantages you, how many advantages you have or, or how much education or how many resources you have access to. If you, if you don't pray, you won't have the resources. You won't have the power God wants you to have. So here, here's the deal. You can come on up. Here's the deal. Listen, I could preach a sermon to make you feel guilty for not praying more. Because I've heard lots of those sermons. And that's, that's an easy sermon. You know, it's our fault. We're not praying and that's why the world's going to hell. Yeah, good point. And you need to be praying more. And I get that because the truth is every single one of you, including me, need to be praying more. That, that's just a fact. And so that's an easy sermon to preach. But as I prayed at the beginning, Guilt won't keep you praying. It may make you pray for one service or one moment, but it won't keep you praying. What will cause you to pray is a realization of the promises of God. And what I want to do today, what I I believe the Lord wants to do among us is to evoke a desire within us to pray. He wants us to want to pray, want to be people of prayer, to change that desire because we, we could all do better. We know that. So God, help us. And I say, God, teach us to pray. Now, now today, I don't have time to get into practical ways. This is how you pray, and that is helpful. But some of you may be asking, I don't know how to pray. I don't even know what to do to pray. So let me suggest something. Simply say to God, God, I don't know how to pray. And by doing that, You've just prayed. You see, prayer is going to be different for Jeremy than it is for me. Prayer is going to be different from Luke than it is for Pastor Chip. Prayer is very individual. And you're going to discover a way to pray that is good for you, that fits into your life circumstances. I want you to know this. I'm not a big, at this point in my spiritual development, I'm not a person who sets aside large times to pray. I'd like to. I'm going to try to do more of that but I have a very kinetic prayer life. Like I pray on the move. I pray as I do chores. I pray as I drive. I pray as I go. Even this morning in my five minute drive to church, I start the car, the radio's going, something is interesting interesting to me. I'm listening to it. A minute into it, the Lord just said, turn that off and listen to me. 
A lot of my prayer doesn't have words. It's just listening to God, thinking, letting God speak to me through my thoughts. The point is this, is you are a person of prayer. Just take that one step. Take that one step right now. Just open your heart. Open your eyes to the possibilities. Don't compare yourself to someone else and say, you have to pray the way someone else prays. Or Don't compare yourself to who we have determined who the prayer giants are. You pray and you connect with God and just start. Just take that step and start praying with him. Let's stand together. We're gonna have a chance to respond in prayer to him. And I want to invite you to something too. This Thursday, we're going to have a prayer meeting. And, and I just want to encourage, we want to encourage you to bring your family, bring the kids. We have childcare through age four, but then the kindergartners on up, they, they need to be with us and they can color or play games, but they'll be in the presence of God and it will impact them, okay? It starts at six, you can come at 6.30, you come at 6.45, whatever, whenever you can be here. And then we're gonna have a meal that we're gonna provide for you. If you're gonna take advantage and eat that meal, if you don't mind signing up with the communication center, that'll help us prepare for that. It'll be a light meal. If you want to fast that day, um, you can fast and it'll be a light enough meal. You can break the fast afterwards. I intend to do that. And we're gonna spend time in the presence of God. And the way we do prayer meetings here, it's not the right way. It's not the only way, but we involve worship or musical people. So we'll have live worship and we'll worship and then we'll pray and we'll go back into worship and we'll pray some more. And I just wanna challenge you in this. And this is not meant to make you feel guilty. This is meant to just challenge you, okay? Do you really want your child to be 20 or 30 before they ever go to a prayer meeting? Do you really want that to happen? Now, my kids come to prayer meetings and they never wanna go. And they're always glad they came. And I just say that because if we pay money for a concert or a sports ticket, you know, then we'll, we'll make any concession possible. We're like, oh, they can stay up late this one night. You know, it's no big deal. But if it's something, you know, anything else that disrupts the children's schedule, we're like, oh no, it disrupts their schedule. We can't do it. Uh, we can't do it for prayer. I don't know how many times we're gonna do this this year. I just know God's called us to start the year out doing it this Thursday. And so if you're able to come, I know the junior highs have games at night. So I know not everyone can come and I understand that. I'm not calling you to... Um, to leave a responsibility you're already committed to. I'm not calling you to do that. I'm just saying, if you're able, come try it. Let's try it. And then if you don't like it, then you can have free supper afterwards with me. And we can just eat and laugh and figure out other ways to pray, right? Let's pray together right now. God, you're gonna move in these last few minutes. We're gonna have communion available. You don't have to take communion, but every single one of you are invited to take communion if you're a believer in the Lord. So if you want to take the bread and cup here in a moment, just take that, pray for one another. Some of you uh, need to have conversation. And these last three or four minutes we have together, if you're married, you need to have a conversation maybe and plan a time where you can pray as spouses. Some of you who are single, I want to encourage you singles to find uh, a group you can have a prayer partner, be prayer partners with. Some of our pastors and prayer partners will be at the back wall to your left. Some of you need someone to pray with you right now today, and those will be available. I'm gonna be down here at the front, and I'm gonna, I can pray just shortly with any of you that wanna pray with me. Um, but let's use this time to plan. Some of you might wanna just 
take out your review and write down some thoughts to plan to pray. I want us to plan to pray. And I, I just want to say one other thing. I know the hours get in the way from us, but, but, but I just want you to know this. Our family, what we're planning to do this year is to have family devotions once a week. That, that's about what we can handle right now. Some of you are doing it every day, and I want to congratulate you. But I, I don't want to compare my family to your family and say, I can't do it every day, so I'm not going to do it at all. You know, if you've never had family devotions or you've never uh, prayed or had devotions as a couple, if you decide to try to do it one, once a month in the next year, do you know you'll do that 12 more times than you did it last year? So take a step, whatever it is, but let's be people of prayer. The table of the Lord is open. Prayer partners are available. In just about three or four minutes, five minutes at the most, I'll dismiss but let's respond to this message today. And let's respond. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.